0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Immanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. You said Celebration Church will be known for strong marriages. We believe your word. We believe your word. We embrace help in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, God. Give us the wisdom. Give us the understanding. Give us the insights Build us up, O oh God In the mighty name of Jesus Say, in the name of Jesus I'm a doer of the word Not a hearer alone I refuse to deceive myself this month Say, I stand before the mirror of the word Say, I make necessary adjustments Necessary changes Say, I humble myself Before the mighty hand of God for progress, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In the name of Jesus, say when the word rebukes me, I take correction and I'm better for it. I'm better for it in the name of Jesus. Say my family is better for it, my future is better for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come and say loud, Amen. Well, happy new month. Please greet someone to your left and your right. It's good to see you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, please be seated. Now, this is a very special month. And logically, I'm not really always optimistic about talking about relationships. And the reason is that A lot of people are not really good at learning and applying. And that's why I want to approach this month with a lot of prayer. It must count in our lives. Say loud amen. Amen. We cannot be Christians following the word of God and having the same results like the world. Having similar statistics. The word of God must work in my marriage. Can you say that? Say it with conviction. It it must work in my marriage. You see, I refuse to be part of the statistics. Please say it with conviction. I refuse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't be in God and be fighting just like the people in the world. I can be in God and have it, I mean, just the same experience. The word of God is working in my marriage. Hallelujah. And that's why I'm starting this series this year with how to make your marriage work. Hallelujah. How to make your marriage work. And, and, and in fact, um, I gave it a, how do you call it? So that's the slogan. I called it Michelangelo, right? How to make your marriage work. And first and foremost, from this slogan, you can tell it requires work. It requires work. I need to say this because a lot of people say they know, but they don't know as they should. Marriage requires work. Help me preach that to the person by the side. Say, it's gonna take a lot of work. Say, <laughs> if you want a good marriage, you're gonna to have to build one. <laughs> it's gonna take a lot of work. You see, I did a lot of research about marriage, studying, because I was overwhelmed by my own inadequacy. You see, by the grace of God, I'm very graced and very gifted in every aspect of my life. And I'm I'm used to ease, you know. And through and through, by the grace of God, I have a great marriage. But I'm just like, at some point, I was just like, this one. It requires a little more effort. What is going on here? I have to sit with God. I have to study. It was a shocker at some point. I don't know as much as I think I know. We don't know as much as I think. (laughs) You You know, sometimes I just imagine that maybe one day I'm preaching and then on the screen, God should show you some things that go on in my marriage. And I'm wondering if we did ever listen to it again. <laughs> because one day, after one argument, I reacted in a way I went back and I sat down and I said, Honestly, this was my thought. Am I a Christian? <laughs> Which <kind>? guy? <laughs> Hallelujah. It requires work. The good news is as we began to put in the work consciously, it got better and better. And better. Say loud amen. amen. And that's very encouraging. And you see, the reason <laughs> the reason I want to state that marriage requires work is just like you see, in many other aspects of marriage, there are things we think we know and we're wrong. General opinion is almost always wrong. Almost always wrong. And we have preconceived notions, things that we've carried on for ages, and research will always surprise you. An objective study of the word will always surprise you. You know, one of the most interesting things I discovered in research, are you ready for it? Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this. You will not agree with me, at least not at first. Let me ask again, are you ready for what I'm about to say? I discovered according to research that men are more romantic than women. yeah, calm down. I expected that I expected that reaction. Are you ready for it? Hold on. Let me land. You know, I was people looking at me like (laughs) you see, those of you who shouted I can deal with that. It's those who were quiet and looking at me. Those are the ones that (laughs) can I land? Women Act like they are romantic, but they are, at the core, pragmatic. Men, listen. Act like they are pragmatic, but they are, at the core, romantic. Hold on. First and foremost, guys, this is not necessarily a compliment. So you better hold on before you clap. A psychologist... Proved that a woman chooses her spouse the same way a man picks his job. And let me ask you this: Hold on. Today go hot to this one. Now intro with day. We just do like we are just starting. Can I land? First and foremost, you see. Sometimes research proves things that even we will be shocked about. So hold on. Just think about it when you get home. Let me ask you this. As you're seated here, if you get an email that tells you that even if you have a good job currently, you have an offer that will pay you four times more and will give you two vacations annually, all expense paid trips, And then we'll give you shares in the company. What are you going to do? I will tell you what you will do. You will come to me and you testify. And your testimony will go something like this. You said this is the year to occupy. I keyed into it. You know what I'm saying? You know? Christian is. I keyed into it. You know? And then this is what you do. You go to your boss And you say, it's been fun working here. It's not you. It's me. Is is that sounding familiar already? (laughs) You will get someone better. Because at the end of the day, women choose their spouse like they make career decisions. Listen, they can see someone, they will vibe with the person. Vibe, correct vibe, but they will choose the person that aligns with their goals. Let me see if there are honest ladies here or not. True of us. Some of you are true. We don't catch you, it's okay. <laughs> and then he's looking like me at me, like how could you tell them? You feel betrayed. I mean. Men on the other hand. Are romantic, and this is what I mean. A man just expects you to like him for who he is. <laughs> like me, like me for who I am, and and it makes logical sense to demand that why wouldn't she just like me for who I am? Someone is already saying, Oh, you see. Because, so it's a fantasy. It's a romantic fantasy. <laughs> the question is, is it always fair? Is it always fair to, to just enter into relationships and expect people to just accept you for who you are? Or maybe it is more realistic for the two people to admit that are work's in progress and to keep working towards that goal constantly with patience, with understanding, and forgiveness. You agree with that, right? And I'm telling you, that makes a world of difference. When two people admit, listen, we have a lot of work to do, and we are in this for work. It will work, and we're going to make it work. So now you're thinking, how can we make this work? How can we keep this law of life? So it changes the psychology. Whilst a lot of people expecting perfection enter into the marriage to rest. Now you enter into the marriage expecting to walk. Now, what does the Bible say? Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her that he might sanctify are you seeing that is that work or not that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word what if you understood this as your role as a husband in marriage maybe some challenges that would have hitherto made you run away would be a challenge to walk Do you understand what I'm saying? I am here to make her better, and she's here to make me better. He says, by the washing of water by the word. He says that he may present, oh my God, are you listening to this? That he might present her to himself. A glorious church, not having spots, or wrinkle, or any such thing. Those things were there before. It's not there anymore. Come on, are you getting it? Now, this is God's idea of marriage. This is the perspective that you should have. Psychologically, your desire for a perfect marriage might be harming you. I am not talking about missionary dating. I am saying that even if you find the right person, there will still be work to do. Are you getting the idea now? And so, you must reprogram your expectation. I am getting in there to walk. It's going to take work. It's not going to be a walk in the park. And the reason why we are always surprised when things go wrong and we are so disappointed is because subconsciously we expect everything to work perfectly without effort. That's our definition of perfection. That's our definition of a good marriage. That automatically you just know how not to talk to me. You just know how not to behave. You just know what to do. No. (laughs) You will train each other. Come on, are you with me? You will train each other. It's going to take intentionality. I mean, look at this text. This is the word of God. That he may present her to himself. What a mentality. You work on your partner for yourself. So, marriage is for two classes of people. Number one, people who need washing, it's not for perfect people. Imagine you had an employee who is always complaining about the very problem he was employed to solve. That's why you were employed. Oh, she's always nagging. Well, are you doing your job well? And the Bible says that even difficult, unbelieving men, by your piety, can be converted. The Bible says that. He was talking to people who were already married, married before one of them got born again. So it wasn't an advocacy for missionary marriage. But what do you do when you find Christ? Your partner is difficult. He says that by your piety. It's for people who need washing. People who know that they have work to do. People who know that they don't have it figured out. People who will not just automatically expect things to go well. They are really ready to put in the work. Say loud amen if you're following me. So I said all of that to say this, don't run away from work. Please, nudge the person by your side, say don't run away from work. Uh, Oh my God, listen, if you decide... Not to run away from work in marriage and relationship. It will make all the difference. I'm telling you, some people admittedly marry difficult people. But in most cases, they just gave up. In most cases, they just gave up. You'll be surprised the amount of progress you can make if you will just keep at it. Listen, I want to show you something from the word of God. I've taught on this before. But you need to see it again. As often as I need to remind you, I will show you. You know, a lot of Christians have this notion that as long as I find the right person, I will have a good marriage. Are you aware it's false? (laughs) It's so false. And that is why some people have insisted on God telling them who to marry. Please, I want to make a clarification. I am... God leads us in all our decisions. Every decision in life. But does God choose a spouse for you? Not necessarily. In fact, no. You have no objective biblical proof that God chooses spouses for people. Except you are reading into the text. Or you are using special cases like the case of Hosea. And if you want to use that to prove that God chooses for people, then God really chooses bad people for people. Hosea was a demonstrative prophet. Go and learn what that means. His life was supposed to be a metaphor of the relationship between Israel and God. That is not the ideal happenstance for choosing a spouse. God doesn't choose for people. He will lead you in your choice. He will expose the folly of your intended decision but he won't choose for you but the reason we want God to choose for us is because we think that if God chooses for us we can go to sleep and we won't have to walk and everything will just be perfect and that every morning you just wake up as a guy and then you look to your side and there's breakfast in bed And that at every time of the day, the woman's makeup is always on. No argument, no confrontation. No questions asked. And so when you come to Acts chapter 13, you know the story. The Bible says that prophets and, you know, apostles were in a meeting. Ministering to the Lord and fasting. And then the Bible says the Holy Ghost said separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. Right? So listen, this partnership, God ordained it. God spoke. It wasn't anybody's idea. They were just ministering to the Lord, fasting. They were praying and God said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto. I mean, what else do you need? God chose the people, chose the walk. I mean, well, By normal thinking and ideology, it guarantees a happy relationship. Even though the context here is ministerial relationship, right? Guess what? It's this poor, eh? They fought. There's a reason why you eventually begin to hear of Paul and Silas instead of Paul and Barnabas. It's because they fell out. And so the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 15 verse 39, it says, Then the contention became sharp. That they parted from one another. The fact that God said, You people should be together does not mean you won't divorce. God said, Paul and Barnabas walked together. They fought, they parted. The contention was sharp. How can the contention be sharp when it was God? Did they not remember it is God? You'll be surprised. When you have an expectation that every circumstance should be favorable, you'll be surprised. You will forget divine encounters, divine confirmation. Even John the Baptist that saw the Spirit descend as a dove, do you know how dramatic that is? It's not a notch. He didn't have a notch. He saw the spirit, he said, (laughs) like this. When he was in prison, he said, are you the one or should we look for another person? Isn't that true? All I'm telling you is this. If you have this expectation that things have to go right just because God said so, and that that absorbs me from putting in the requisite labor required, listen, you are in for a disappointment and that's no prophecy of doom. Nothing will exonerate you from trials in marriage. You have to put in the work. And even if we don't like to talk about it, this is why even some of our couple girls have problems. I'm sorry to talk about it. But when you hear a pastor and his wife, the marriage broke apart. It's a sensitive thing to talk about. But we know we have those questions can imagine how you feel when you read about it when you see it and you are shocked how can it and let me shock you it doesn't mean they made the wrong choice (laughs) you don't understand free will you can make the wrong choice and mess it up later with poor choices do you understand what I'm saying And that's why in a good marriage, you must keep choosing each other. One choice is not enough. It's a present continuous intentionality. Please, are you listening to this? And so someone said, and I agree, he said, love is a classroom. In which two people in the spirit of generosity and kindness endeavor to become the best version of themselves. I take that again. Love is a classroom in which two people in the spirit of generosity and kindness endeavor. It's an endeavor. It's a journey to become the best version of themselves. for people who are ready to put in the work. Say, I'm ready to put in the work. Oh, you don't sound convinced. Say, I'm ready to put in the work. You know, and this is where I got the idea of naming this Michelangelo because some of you know the story. One of the greatest art sculptures of all time was by Michelangelo. And this is the background of the story. Two sculptors before had rejected this stone. They had different comments about it Oh the material of the stone is not good enough And they had different comments about it But Michelangelo came with his chisel He saw something in that stone That no one else saw And he carved out And now it's ironic That what he carved out was the image of David And it was David who said That the stone that the builders rejected Come on are you with me it was David who said, the stone that the builders rejected have be- has become the chief cornerstone. Listen, what if this is true about marriage? That the same person you are complaining about with someone who could put in the work, it will produce the best version of that person. The best version, does it not happen? You were dating, you were almost breaking each other's head. You thought there was something wrong with you. That marriage, I mean, that relationship ended. You found another person and you're good. What does that tell you? You know, one of the leading men of God, (laughs) something happened. His wife used to be in a very abusive relationship. Very horrible. Very horrible. And then it ended, she started dating this man of God. They got married, have a great marriage, you know, and all of that. (laughs) Are you ready for this story? It's kind of petty. And so, they went to preach somewhere, landed in a private jet, and there were people ready to receive them with confetti, with flowers, you know, and all of that. And there was the ex. You know, and so when they got to the ex, an introduction was made. Oh, this is the person I told you about. You know, and then you know what this man of God said? Thank you for not marrying her. You know. <laughs> Don't try this at home. You may not make it past the airport. Thank you for not marrying her. You know, I would have missed out on the best woman in the world. You know, so what I'm saying is, why is it that the same husband you are convinced is imperfect you know and all of that there are people who are fight if, if they get chance <laughs> don't play it's harsh out there <laughs> that same person Do you need translation? Uh. (laughs) Why? Maybe now see finish, see finish, see finish. Hallelujah. What if you came into that marriage with, with your chisel? Do you understand what I'm saying? Both parties with their chisel walk on each other. Walk on each other. Just like a sculptor. Walking on a piece of art carving some things out carving some places out what if you do that for each other that whatever you don't like you can correct if you find the right way to communicate and that's why next week sunday all i'm talking about is communication all right if you find the right way you both can become the best versions of yourself what if you have that mentality That resilience, it can work. It's just like in every other aspect of life. You don't know what you're capable of until you have the right coach. Until you have the right teacher. I've told you several times, in primary school, I was an average student for the most part... Went into a new school with a teacher who actually cared and began Acing Ace the international exams. It's a fact of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to have men's conference very soon. I need to talk to you guys. See, you know, Another statistic you are going to grumble about. It has been proven statistically that if a marriage will work, it is more dependent on the men than on the, of the women. Don't worry. I have something for every, everybody. Don't worry. Women clap. Enjoy this one. Enjoy. Woo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, a psychologist made a bold claim. He said, by watching a married couple for five minutes, it's a bold claim, don't forget. By watching a married couple for five minutes, he can tell with 91% precision if the marriage will be successful or not. And he has done this for 3,000 couples. Over several decades, 91% accuracy. You see, what we don't realize is that relationships are very similar. Good relationships are similar. Bad relationships are similar. The ladies who are doing the wrong thing, they are all doing the wrong thing. Similar things. The guys who are doing the wrong things, they're all doing similar things. And this is the most interesting thing about his research. He discovered that the good marriages were not exactly different from the bad marriages. They all had the same problems. Are you ready for this? In the good marriages, they also fought regularly. (laughs) They quarreled regularly and quarreled about the same thing. Conflict was not infrequent, he said. They argued, just as unhappy couples did, over money, job, kids, housekeeping, sex, in-laws. They quarreled regularly. You see, see let me say this to you. Ah, are you ready? Let me prefix what I'm saying by, by telling you a story. Something happened. And, hmm, should I tell you this? No. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. You like gists. So years ago, my wife said something that rubbed off the wrong way. And I began to think, maybe maybe she doesn't respect me. Why would she say that? Why would she say, this was years ago, more than six years ago. And I remember, I mean, I went somewhere went to minister. Hey, hey, God, With a quarrel, I went to bless lives. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and as I was preparing for the ministration, expecting the Lord to talk about the people that will, I would will see, maybe give me words of knowledge, the sick that would be healed, you know, and... And all of that, from nowhere, I just heard the Lord say, I heard the voice from over my head like this. And it's usually from that place when he wants to scold me. (coughs) And he just said, your wife respects you. And in that moment, I was just like, God, I know you know all things, but... (laughs) I won't blame you if you don't know women. (laughs) you know no (laughs) woman and this is what the Lord said to me that I never and it, it never occurred to me you know you can be a man and your wife will honor you constantly all day morning till night Giving you food, looking out for you, loving you, then in one moment of weakness she blots out, and you judge her overall by that moment. And when the Lord said that's what you are doing, well, I won't lie to you. I didn't cave in easy. I said eh, it's those moments that it really shows. What well, you know. Or maybe sometimes our expectations are just too high. That every human being, if pushed to the wall, will respond. Let me tell you another psychological research I found out. Are you ready for this? A woman's behavior in marriage was compared to children and how they behave in classrooms. Do you know how children behave when they want attention and they are not getting it? Complained all the time. It's normal. But how you go about it is different. Complaining is feedback. Complaining is focused on the action, what was done. Criticism is an attack on the personality. And it is always casting as passion. Always conclusive. And always using the word always. You always do this. You always. It's an attack on the person's character or personality. So instead of saying, you promise to clean the t- kitchen. Someone will say, why are you always so forgetful? That's the difference between... Complain and criticism. And by the way, he's telling you how he's able to predict with precision some marriages that will not stand the test of time. This in itself is not enough, but it is one of the pointers. The next they talked about is contempt. Contempt. You see, you have to understand how powerful it is when the Bible tells men, don't be bitter against your wives. It's so powerful. Sometimes you wonder, how did he know? Because with constant complaining and criticism, if you are not careful, it leads to the next stage. Now you're holding someone in content. You are bitter against the person. Listen, one of the leading causes of divorce is, is on expectation. expectations. I kept expecting you to be this person or do this, and you weren't doing that. I got tired about it. I got tired of talking about it, and so it ended. Because at some point, we now nurse bitterness. We are not even complaining anymore. We've given up on the person. Now we have a perception of the person. Next week, I'm going to tell you how dangerous that is. Perception. If there's enough time today, I'll touch on it briefly. Perception. Many quarrels will... In fact, the reason why many quarrels go unresolved is that we already have a perception of the person. The reason small issues are escalated is because we have a perception of the person. If you don't change that perception, and that's why... Are you ready for this? It has been proven scientifically that even therapy sessions don't always work. As high as 65% of people who go for therapy sessions, just months down the line, they relapse. As almost everybody. In six months. Because now... You are laying out the problem, but the problem is just the surface. There, is, there are underlying issues, you know. There are underlying issues. That sometimes fundamentally is a trust problem. I don't really trust this person anymore. I'm not safe around this person. That's the issue. Come on, are you listening to me? What did I say is number one? What about number two? And then number three, defensiveness. Always ready to fight. See, when you get to this point, there's a problem. Seek for help. You, you, You are always ready to reply. When the person says one, you say five. Steadily with your boxing glove. Ready to fight. At this point, trust is out the window. You are in that relationship to survive. (laughs) <laughs> Defensive. Always preempting what the person will say, what the person will do. You have your defense. This, by the way, is not what Peter meant when he says, be ready to give a reply. 1 Peter 3.15. This is not what he meant. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then the next is stonewalling. Stonewalling. You are in the marriage, but you are single. Stonewalling. Keeping interactions to the dearest minimum. Single replies, yes, no, thank you. Don't worry. At this point, you're acting like you don't care what the other person has to say. You don't care what the other person feels. Avoiding eye contacts. Avoiding interaction. And it is very interesting that in civil engineering, you stonewall to avoid a flood, right? Do you understand the imagery I just created? You stonewall to avoid a flood. People who stonewall are just tired of constant attacks. And so it's a defense mechanism. And if after a while, the stone caves in, now there is flood, there's a meltdown in the marriage, things get really bad. He said, these are the things to watch out for. He said, another thing to watch out for, please. The reason I'm mentioning this is so that you can recognize these patterns and correct it. And even if you are single here, better learn it ahead of time. He said, another thing to watch out for, bad memories. Listen, subconsciously, when someone has gone through trying times in marriage, they go back to the past and rewrite it. And so when you even talk about past events, they remember it in a new light. They don't remember all the fun things. They don't even remember all the fun memories. They look back and all they see are all the patterns of hurt and disappointment. So he noticed when he would ask couples, okay, so what was your marriage? About? I mean, how was your wedding day? Even if it wasn't the most flamboyant, if you had at least peaceful experience in that marriage, in that way, on that wedding ceremony, that's something to relieve. But people, because of the hardness and hardship they've gone through, they will go back in their mind, psychologically rewrite it, and all they remember will be the things that did not go well. And so you might want to ask yourself, when I think about where we are coming from, how do I feel? How do I feel? Do I only remember the bad? These, he said, are the things to out, watch out for. Things that almost inevitably cause a marriage to end. Listen, please take a few minutes praying the Holy Ghost. Make it count. Make it count. I said, Make it count, make it count, make it count, make it count. Make it count. count. Zonde rapahakta Kristofren dele kapirehaya, shande ke preteko prete kizo, zete ke peleto ko prete Ronde kepele toko preste kapando setriga. Ronde kepele te kishete. Zute te kibo. Embre so trekaya. Ando mbre so kibo kushete. Le kapali. Zete kepele toko pre. Rusete kepeketo ko to Rusete toko preste. Rusete kepele talk to the Lord, talk to the Lord, talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Make it count. Talk to the Lord. We're not while in wait time. Talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. CCW, does any one of you know this song? You are brooding over every darkness. Who's going to sing this for me? Come on, sing it. Everybody sing it together want to go. You were bruised over every mountain. And you were causing light. You were causing light to shine from the Sing it again. You
1: were bruising
0: As you sing it, see it happen. You were causing... sing it two more times
1: you are brooding
0: you are brooding
1: over...
0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, when the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh, you know what he's telling you? He's telling you, you can. He's telling you that as born again, as saved and sanctified as you are, there are two possibilities that can happen in your life. You can either walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. Or walk in the flesh. And so, when you prioritize one, find the flames of one, the other will be suppressed. Listen, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Listen, it means that to stop the bad, I must just give more room for the good. Let the good grow stronger. Get more influential. We have the tendency to want to stop the bad by focusing on the bad. Think about it. So now, a Christian has an anger problem. A Christian has an unforgiveness problem. A Christian is struggling with lust in one way or another. Maybe pornography or something like that. The logical thing to do is to try to stop it. And you should. But listen, there is a higher superior way. And the higher way is to fan the flames of the spirits in such a way that it becomes impossible for both of them to coexist. Do you understand what I'm saying? Both biblically and according to research, two marriages will have all the same symptoms, all the same problems. One will survive, the other wouldn't. Why? There is something called a positive override. Positive override. That in one marriage, there are a series of good events that make it hard to dwell on the negatives. So it's not just the presence of the negatives. It's the fact that there are many good events that make it hard to dwell on the negatives that just give you the desire to move on. This, my friends, is what it means to walk in the Spirit. Give good a chance. Create a structure. Listen, so now, not only has he told you the ways and the things to look out for for a marriage who won't make it, he has given you seven things. He pointed out seven things to work on that will make your marriage last. And I want to point them out as fast as possible. Number one, he said enhance what he calls love maps. Can you say love maps? And what that simply means, create positive images of your partner in your mind. Create positive images. You see that thing that Jacob did in Laban's house? where he made sure that the animals were constantly looking at a particular image. Your image is very important. Oh my God, listen to this. Let me say this. Especially in a social media generation, a lot of people suffer. Because now, you can be constantly looking at people who are not your spouse. And you can nurse images, impressions of people who are not your spouse. And you see all oh, the wrong things that your spouse is doing. You have not internalized your spouse. You've not considered that partner well enough, deeply enough. And it's, it's, it's interesting that simple things like images, I mean literal images this time, pictures. Maybe in your office maybe in your house maybe as your screensaver look at it consider it look at your partner just look at your partner objectively and for once see through all the excesses see through all the faults when was the last time you gave an honest objective look at your as your spouse What kind of image have you noticed? If you noticed the wrong image, you become critical. I'm telling you. If you notice that you are impatient, you are, you are nursing the wrong image. When the little things, little mistakes, they irk you, they get you angry. Wrong image. Please, are you listening to this? All I'm saying is very simple. But some of you who have, been, you, who have held the ropes, you know that these things are very important. Just... Give that person a chance again. Reimagine that marriage. Reimagine that relationship. All right? First and foremost, I'm talking primarily to married people. All right? If you're already going through a lot of trouble in a dating relationship, it might be a sign break it. <laughs> Let me tell you this Are you aware that people who divorce and may remarry? of the time, they divorce again. Many people who divorce and remarry are more likely to divorce again a second and a third time, if you're not careful, a fourth time. Because there is something about us that wants to run away. We think escaping is the way. And there are some things you will never escape from. When you are ready... You will wash your hand and do some work. Please, are you listening to me? You, you know, just you're treating like a classroom. What must I walk on? And it helps you psychologically to stop looking for an escape. This is the person God gave me. It will work. Say loud, Amen. Amen. It will work. This is the partner God gave me, and it will work. Rehearse it with me. Say, This is the partner God gave me. And it will work. And then let me tell you something very simple and powerful to do. In the privacy of your room, start with the person's picture. all right? And start saying nice things about the person. Say nice things about the person. Pray for the person from your heart. Pray for the person. Then think about... The few things, assuming they are few, the few things that the per, few things that the person does, that you appreciate. think about it. If possible, itemize it. Dwell on it. I am telling you, according to research, marriages that end in divorce, marriages that are successful, they are not drastically different, I'm telling you. Some of your couple goals, if you see the fights they have, you will run. And I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying there is a positive override. Come on, are you with me? And so these are the things to watch out for. Number one, no matter how difficult, how bad things are, at the core of everything, we have mutual respect. Are you listening to this? This is someone that I respect. I wish you well. I want you to do well. We have a friendship. Please, can you say friendship? I know about you. You know about me. I know your strengths, your weaknesses, your goals, your aspirations. I know your friends. And I know it because I took enough time to find out about it, to care. I have created a structure that ensures that we do things together often. Let me say this. Make sure that your marriage is not reactive. Try. That as an ordinance, as often as possible, sit together. Talk together. Play together. Play. You know, as I was preparing for this, the Lord spoke to me. And so help us, God. We're going to find a venue and all the married couples will come together regularly just to play. Yes. Single people are grumbling. Mm. Mm. Meanwhile, the person by your side has been trying to get your attention. You didn't even pay attention. Uh, And now you're grumbling. Grumbling. Married people react, Jare. Don't worry, your time is coming. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's called emotional investment. That is what takes you through the tough times. So a lot of people, when they go through the tough road that every marriage goes through, they don't have enough fighting power. They don't have enough positive override. And that's what makes the difference. That's all. That's all. Let me tell you something. Are you ready for this? You may not like this one, though. Should I talk? All right. You know, I told you that psychologically it's proven that women treat relationships like a job. Now, if you have had a lot of career struggles, a lot of career struggles... Jobs that did not appreciate you, you know, that did not pay you well, yet they will stress you. You work during the weekend, you know, and then you finally find the right job. You would do everything to make sure it works. Isn't it true? Think about it. (laughs) Do you need commentary for that? Listen, if you have a good woman, you have a good woman. She may not always act like she wants it to work, but she does. And that's why with just basic cooperation, it will change everything. I'm telling you. You know, for women, sex is a fruit. For men, sex is a seed. And this is what I mean. (laughs) For women sex is the result of a lot of process. You've planted the seed. You've, you know, it has gone through irrigation. Then it grew. It had branches. Then a fruit began to go through. You know, so, women, sex is the result. For men, is the beginning. And so, women, will want to have sex with someone that they love. But men want... To love you because of sex. Don't worry. Follow me. This is what I'm saying. This is where this is leading. Pay attention to this now. And so if you find yourself in a sexless marriage, this is why. You tell your wife, Oh, I want to have sex, and then she's always giving excuses. This is why you don't understand. For you, it's the beginning, for her is the end. For her. The conversation's prior have to make sense. She has to feel seen. She has to feel like you care. When, when, when you begin to hear things like, is it all about the sex? Well, well, well yes, but, you know. <laughs> but in marriage, you have to understand communication. Come on, are you with me? And so... This, is, this may be difficult. If you are going through that, listen to this carefully. This may be difficult, but consider this. Take your mind off sex for a while. And just start playing with your wife again. Give her attention again. The reason this is important is some people have told you that to get sex back, you should do this and that. And women are not dummies. They know what you are doing. So even when you are finally touching them because they complained you went straight before, they know where it's going. <laughs> so, so even the touch is not meaningful. They know. They know what you wants. So flip the switch. Chop the inside, I want to run away. So take your time. Learn these things well. Consider yourself blessed that you're learning it on time. Amen, somebody. One more time, say I'm of the word. Look at your spouse. Look at your spouse. And you know, as I round off, please, if you forget anything I just say I, I said prior, don't forget this. Psychologically, there is a way to know how you really feel about your partner. First and foremost, it doesn't matter how much someone smiles at you. If you surprise the person, they don't know you're coming from behind. And you tap the person from behind. In split seconds, when they turn, their first impression you can know. (laughs) You know, I used to have a friend. I didn't know he didn't like me at all. And let me tell you one of the first ways I knew. His wife was entering the plane and was in a video call with him. And so she saw me and greeted me. How do you do? And told her husband, guess who I just saw? As soon as she turned the phone like this, reflex, he did like this. I said, ah, I don't catch it. And he he tried to get himself back, but it was too late. It wasn't long after I started seeing his true color. But this is what I want to say. The single most inevitable way to know how much tension you have in your relationship is physical touch. And I'm not talking about the physical touch that guys say. You know, when they say, what's your love language, you talk about that because there's, a, there's an aspect of that thing that is a scam. What's your love language, physical touch? Before Uncle, If your husband says physical touch is his love language, every morning lay hands on him. <laughs> And say touch. Is that not physical touch? <laughs> Onero physical touch. <laughs> Go and talk to your wife. Physical touch. <laughs> how, t- how typical. You don't ever see man when no be physical touch be in love language. it is very hard to hold someone you don't like i mean just hold have you noticed that if a woman doesn't like you she will take offense if you touch her women agree right like I'm just getting to know you. I don't really like you. Why are you holding me? It's it's irritates. Let me tell you something. It is a neurological way to react to people you don't like. And that is why when a marriage starts going under stress, one of the first things that will reduce, normal touch. If all the touch you have is in the bed, there is problem. Please, are you with me? I hope that wasn't awkward for you. Okay, let's do (laughs) it. Hallelujah. Just imagine, you know, I've said this hypothetically, but imagine you had an ordinance in your home. Every morning, no matter how bad things are, we must hold hands and pray. (laughs) You must hold hands. Just hold hands. Worship the Lord honestly for a few more <laughs> few minutes. One must die. It is either your prayer life dies or the quarrel dies. It's not possible for both to coexist. It's not possible. I am telling you, one of the things to watch out for, just touch. Less contact before. You will walk around the whole campus holding hands when you were dating. You know, like this. You'll be kicking sand, kicking flour. Now, now you cannot hold hands for five minutes. It's a problem. I'm telling you, just a simple thing. Sit. You know what? If you are sitting beside your spouse, hold hands. Just hold hands. Single people pressure, have you? Just hold yourself. Hold yourself. Hold yourself. Hallelujah. Listen. Oh, yeah, be happy for others now. Uh Uh-uh. And maybe your spouse is not here. Do you understand? So hold, hold, hold for a few minutes. Hold for a few minutes. Few minutes. Few minutes. Few minutes. And don't just hold and be looking at me. Be conscious you're holding someone. Someone you care about. I give you few minutes. Listen. Listen to me. This is important. Please, laugh but understand I'm not joking, right? Okay. Okay. Say nice things about that person. Not, not to the person, to yourself. To yourself. To yourself. To yourself. Say nice things and mean it. What are you thankful for? I didn't say tickle each other. What's going on? Uh, emoji. You are taking this thing too far now front today. See say nice things. Ah what's going on? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's okay. Please stand to your feet and let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We are doers of your word and not hearers alone, deceiving ourselves. Thank you, because with your help, with your help, we can make it. We can do it. We trust your help. We embrace your wisdom, and thank you, because in this month, you are causing to light. You are causing lights to shine in darkness. Every emotional darkness, every trauma every difficult situation, in relationships that you have ordained, or marriage, thank you, because you are helping us to walk past it. We are coming out better and stronger, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Come on, say loud, amen. Amen. All right, please be seated. Did that bless you? All right.